We're back for another week of the We're Not As Dumb As We Think We Are podcast. His name is William Lloyd. Bill Thomas. Yeah. And his name is? It's Aaron Peer. Did you forget my name? No, I knew it. I knew it. You ruined it. We're trying to... Straight, you say, I say your name, you say my name, but we're not experts at this by any means. So, again, usually I ask Bill some dumb question. And he was trying to tell me today how my questions are really dumb, like the Backstreet or the boy band one. I think that's a really good question. It's a really good question if I knew any boy bands, which I do not. But I have a question for Aaron today that is an interesting one that will want make everybody want to listen even more. So here it is, Aaron. Aaron loves food. Oh, and uh, so here's the question for Aaron. If you could only eat at one restaurant the rest of your life and only one, what restaurant would you choose? So, I would try to answer this question with thinking, okay, which restaurant offered the most variety of foods? Because, I mean, well, I guess just restaurants, not just the only foods. So, some of my favorite restaurants are like Cheddar's, Chili's. So far, they all start with CH? Um, ooh, Texas Longhorn, Texas Roadhouse. Oh, man. Uh, I choose, oh, the Texas Roadhouse. That's a good restaurant. It is a good restaurant, but it, that's the only place you can eat the rest of your life, and you're going to eat no, there. No, no, restaurant. I can eat at home. Well, you can eat at home, but I mean the only restaurant. Yeah, because, have you been there? No more Breadco. That's, that's fine. We had Breadco for lunch today. That, I highly recommend the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, this dude is 50-some years old, and he ordered a PB&J. It was really good, too. <laughs> But Texas Roadhouse, they have the cinnamon butter. They give you the rolls, and they have the cinnamon butter. Their steaks are really good. My wife likes one of their like one of their meals. There is like one of my wife's all time favorite meals to get at any restaurant. So also be. So you're trying to appease your wife with your answer. Oh, I didn't at first, but now I see the appeasement that comes with it. So oh, it was okay. good, good on my part. That's good. Always make your so wife happy. They got good steaks. They got. Eric's trying to make you happy with his choice. They got good sides. When it's your birthday, you get to ride the saddle. That's fine. I, I bet it is. Their lemonades are flavored and good, too. And they have a good kids' menu. Well, uh, hopefully... That you as, would order from. As much as you like them, perhaps they'll sponsor our podcast. <laughs> Texas Roadhouse, where you at? So there you go. Is that a satisfactory answer? Well, it's a good answer. So, today, topic of discussion is, why is Bill the way he is? No, just kidding. <laughs> We would spend way too much time on that. Today we're going to hopefully answer the question, how do I convince my friend to follow Jesus? Is this is something I've been working on with Bill for some time. He still hasn't followed Jesus <laughs> in a while, so I'm trying to convince him. No. That's Bill, not true. Bill loves Jesus. So we want to answer the question. Now, just to be straight up. We're not going to give you, here's the number one thing you do, the number two thing you do, and this is guaranteed to lead anyone to Christ. Right. There's no guarantee, surefire answer that this is going to work every time. Um, God's got plans for everybody in some way, shape, or form, and how they come to know Jesus is always a mystery to some of us, but sometimes we're part of that mystery. Well, I think we're called to be. I mean, we're supposed to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. I mean, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples of all nations. So it's kind of our responsibility to do that. It is. It's our responsibility. And you 
that was almost a nice segue to what my first thought was going to be on how we lead our friends or family members or coworkers or strangers or neighbors to Christ is you said always have a reason for the faith that you have yeah that's at a first Peter oh. anyway it's either first Peter or a Tim one of the Timothys but the first thing I would say to be most helpful and helping you point someone to Jesus. First Peter three fifteen. First Peter three fifteen, to give someone uh, or to help someone give their lives to Jesus is first you need to know why you believe what you believe, because if you're gonna try to convince someone to love and follow Jesus, you better know why you love and follow Jesus, because if you don't, it's gonna stop the conversation pretty quick. Because well, there's not much for you to say if you don't know why. Correct. So, Bill, can you give us, like, in uh, 30 seconds to a minute, why you believe what you believe? Oh, sure. I, I, can, I might be able to do it quicker. Uh, to me, uh, why I choose to follow Jesus, I think there's uh, a couple ways to look at that. One, from just the look at the evidence area, the Bible, I believe is 100% true. I think that it is demonstrably prove, true. I think you can prove it with all kinds of different ways. Um, but also I, I have a personal relationship with Jesus that that I know is real and, and some of that is you have to take by faith that I can't exactly prove to you Aaron or anybody that might be listening the three of you listening I can't exactly <laughs> prove to you that my relationship with Jesus is what it is but I know it's real and, and so so my my faith is based on I think the sound proof of Scripture and the very subjective but very personal relationship I have with Jesus Christ. I think that was longer than a minute. I don't know. I was trying to watch the clock. Oh, that was pretty good. I think for me, there seems no logical reason other than a, um, what's the, so a creator created the world and the universe. I don't think, I don't believe in the Big Bang. I think it's too far-fetched, too unrealistic, impossible that we're all here. By intelligent design, that's the word. We're here by intelligent design by God. To me, that's the only explanation to why I'm here breathing and that I'm from, I'm in a solar system where my planet is so close to the sun where I can have life and far away enough where I'm not uh, too cold, like it's just in the right spot. Um, and then I grew up in the church and eventually um, my faith became my own. And I, had, I developed a personal relationship with Jesus. I saw Jesus work in my life. I saw Jesus display himself through communicating through prayer and through reading his word and stuff like that. So scientifically, there's no explanation other than intelligent design. And I have a personal relationship with him through studying scripture on my own and worship and prayer. And that made Jesus real to me. Well, I think that's the most powerful part of our testimony to other people is to tell your story. And uh, I think everybody can do that. I was talking to a class yesterday. Uh, and if they're student ministers or children's ministers or whatever, they work with volunteers. Uh, we talked about would it be wise to have your volunteers be able to write and or practice sharing their story because that's what kids need to hear. And, and I think that it would be great for every Christian to be able to, in, in like we tried to do here a minute or two, yeah. be able to talk about their story. Yeah, and most likely when you're in a conversation with somebody, it's going to take you more than two minutes. Like... That's okay. I mean, if I really got down and broke down my story of how I came to know and follow Jesus now, it became real to me. It'd probably take me 
ten minutes to get yeah. to the story. Well, I think it's good to be able to give kind of a couple minute summary. And, yeah, and oh, yeah. people are interested, they'll ask questions. But you you can throw that two minutes in lots of different conversations with kids, with yeah. students, lots of people. I think it's just a great way. To, if, if we should know our story and be able to relate it. So let me ask you this question: Is it wrong to talk to people about Jesus to evangelize to share your faith? Oh no, I don't think that that's wrong. I think that that is. I'm not sure where you want me to go with this, but I, I think that's not enough. I think if you just talk to people and that's all you do, then I think that you're probably only getting halfway home. Yeah. Well, I asked that question because there's a statistic out there, and I think you're familiar with it, that millennials were surveyed recently, and almost 50%, it's like 44, 45, somewhere in there, think that it's wrong to talk to people about their faith well, in Jesus. And I find that interesting. I feel like that's going to make a struggle for the Christian church if people my age and younger think, well, I, I shouldn't talk to people about Jesus because they might get offended or I might upset them. You know, like that's going to be a, that's a thing, a culture shift or a mindset we're going to have to work on changing. Well, I read that too, and I've, I've looked at that study. That That is a tough one. And my understanding of why they resent that is that it is disrespectful to any other religion to think that you have to convert somebody to yours. And I think a lot of younger people today have been taught that you have to respect or tolerate everyone's position and opinions, in my view, except Christianity. And <laughs> you have to, uh, so for you to talk, if, if I'm talking to you and you're not a Christian, I'm saying that you need to be a Christian. I am, I am in inferring that somehow you are not where you ought to be. I'm judging your value system and I'm telling you you need to be like me. And I think young people today really have trouble with that. I think that's that's not right. But I think that's what they struggle with. The funny thing is is they do the, ex the exact same thing and saying you need to be like me and the fact that you need to be inclusive. You need to not push things on people when they do it. They're like, well if you're not all inclusive you don't love everybody for who they are and what they choose to be because there's this idea of Whatever you want to do, whatever makes you whatever makes you happy, whatever feels good, do it, and that's the way you should live. And if you tell people, to do it, which Christianity is not like that, Jesus doesn't teach us do whatever you want that makes you feel good. He said, follow, follow, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, and then there are parameters about what it means to love God and love people. Well, I agree. I just think that today, of course, you agree. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think today people really struggle with the idea that that the bible might or jesus might demand something from them that they don't want to do and so they want to reinterpret all the scriptures or recast all of jesus words to mean something else so that it is a license for them to do what they want to do yeah and i think we're redefining christianity in our culture and i think that will be to our detriment i think that it will not work out well for us if we try to um, circumvent what god has uh, set up as truth. I think that eventually um, we'll have to come to terms with the truth. But yeah. I think our culture does struggle with that. Yeah. So I'd say to navigate that, because we do live in a society where, like, well, you can't push your ideas and thoughts on me, is a lot of the times when we're trying to conv convince someone or show someone Jesus, it's through relationship in the sense that I don't go, this is, for example, Bill, you're not a Christian. For an example, you are, though. And just say, well, Bill, if you choose to believe that, you're just going to go to hell, and um, you're a bad person for what you do. Like, 
if that's my game plan and try to point someone to Jesus, it's not going to go too well. But if I, you know, try to show them who Jesus was through scripture and talk about the type of person Jesus was and then eventually point to, here's the expectation Jesus has for people, then they're going to be much more open to it than just, well, this is the only way. And if you don't follow it, you're going to have negative consequences once you die, which is true, but it's not really the best out, best laid out plan. It's like those guys that preach on the street corner, mm-hmm. turn or burn, dog, doesn't right. really work. Yeah, I've seen those guys. Um, well, I'll go a step further with you. I, I, I think, I mean, I agree with what you said. I think that's right. We have to approach people in love and compassion. And I, I think that the idea of going in and blasting people and condemning them to hell is out of line for us. We don't we don't have that right. God is the one that determines someone's mm-hmm. ultimate destiny. But in my view, I think that people will not care to hear what we say until they first understand that we care about them. And, and so we have to build a relationship with people. We, we have to demonstrate with our lives that we care about people, that we love them. Um, Jesus hung around all kinds of different people. They wanted him to be around. He got invited to a wedding. He got invited to banquets at the homes of tax collectors and sinners. Why? Well, because he was a guy people liked. And, and, and he was able to communicate, able to interact with different people. Now, he didn't shy away from the truth, but he, uh, he cared about people. And we have to, too. I think that's where our lifestyle matters a huge amount. Yeah. I don't think people will care at all what we say until they first know that we care about them. I think the saying is, I don't care much. I don't, hold on, I'm going to screw this up. I don't care, oh man, I'm not even going to try. I failed so miserably. It's like, oh, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. There it is. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. Yeah, for sure, your lifestyle definitely. There's a DC Talk song. I'm sure you're a big DC Talk I know what DC Talk is. I know it better than boy bands. Well, that's good. Well, they're technically kind of like a Christian boy band. I know, but I know who they are. But one of their songs back in the day that stated at the beginning is like basically that the biggest source of atheism is Christians claiming to love and follow Jesus with their words, but their actions do not, um, aren't parallel to the things they say. That'd be hard to rap. It was really rapping, it was just someone saying it at the beginning. Oh. But yeah, it's true. If I say I'm a Christian but don't live as a Christian, I'm not going to point anyone to Jesus. I know. I think they'll do the opposite. So for us, if we want to let our friends know that Jesus is the homie of all homies, <laughs> as they say in, say in Bill Thomas's family circle. I feel like that I've not ever said those words like that, ever. Bill's old and forgetful, so he can't remember everything he ever said. It's probably true, too. <laughs> but... Uh, no, yeah, you, you have to... Yeah, you have to live it, man. I get so frustrated with that type of, of mentality of people claiming to follow Jesus, but it's like, man, I appreciate that you claim it, but man, I, I want you to live it too, you know, because... Well, I could get a whole lot madder to other people if I didn't struggle with it sometimes myself. Well, I never struggle with it. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I know. There's many a times. Many a times. So... Yeah, so we got to know our story. We got to um, understand what we believe and why. And then... You got to uh, walk the talk. Walk the talk. Bill, what do you think is the most challenging thing for you when it comes to trying to share your faith or talk to someone about Jesus? Oh, I think for me and maybe for some other people that are listening to us, I think it's fear. Uh-huh. 
I think it's fear of a lot of things. Fear of, of being different, fear of being rejected, fear of not knowing what to say. Maybe they're going to ask me some really hard question and I don't know the answer or, or fear they're going to look at me like I'm a weirdo or they just, I'm, I'm gonna, they're just, they're just going to turn me off or, you know, ostracize me or something. Yeah. And, I, and so, yeah, I think fear is the big, biggest reason why I haven't in the past and why others don't even today share. I want to ask you a follow-up question. Because you talked to, I agree with you, fear is probably one of the biggest things. And you said fear because they might ask you something you don't notice the answer to. So if that situation does right, what would you suggest to someone? They're in a conversation with someone with Jesus, and they say they ask um, a question they don't know the answer to. What would you tell them? What would you be suggesting they do in that moment? Well, that happens to me. I mean, now, and, and I've been a Christian for a long time, studying the Bible, and I do a lot of things. And, and I suppose, I don't want to sound bad, but people think I generally think we know a lot of the Bible. Uh, but I still have lots of things come up that I don't know. And I have become much more comfortable saying, I don't know. I'll have to, to check back with you on that. But I, I don't, I don't, I know what is the essential part in sharing Jesus. And, and, and I want people to understand who Jesus is. And, and I want them to get that he has changed my life. Mm-hmm. And really, those are not really arguable points. Now, they may reject it, but if I just stick to that, that's good. Now, we might get into a discussion where they ask me about a lot of things. Now, let's honestly say, I don't know. I'll look that up, and I'll get back with you, and I try to get back. Um, yeah. So you just got to be truthful. Yeah. But as far as actually sharing, know what really is essential. And that's not complicated. Who is Jesus, and what has he meant to you? Those are questions I think almost every Christian can answer pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree where you, you don't try to... <laughs> Say the worst thing you do if they ask you a question you don't answer to is try to fake your way through it. Uh, they'll, because, they'll figure that out. You, they can Google stuff real quick. One, you might say something that's not true, or two, like that, they'll be like, no, and find out you're, you're, you're lying or you're trying to falsify some information, and then it causes a bigger hole. It's or big, dig a bigger hole. It's totally okay to say I don't know, but like you said, go back and say, but I'll find out for you. And then I agree that some people they could have a thousand questions and you could get an answer to 999 of them but there's just that one that's got the hang up and then it comes to a point where you're saying I don't know if there's really many much more I can do you know you've done you've talked about Jesus who he is what he's done to your life you've answered those tough questions about creation about science about hurting about who Jesus is about can I believe the Bible all that stuff but they just some people just have this this thing inside of them where because a big part of being a follower of Jesus is saying, I give it up. Right. I give up. It's all you, God. You're in charge. I'm not. It's and a lot surrender. of people don't want to do that surrender, so they'll find something to hold on to. Now, some people are different where maybe they've been burned by the church. They know they've dealt with a Christian who, or dealt with someone who claimed to be a Christian and hurt them. Maybe it was a mentally thing, a, a sexual thing, uh, um, just hurt them through the way they treated them, whatever it is. So, therefore, you got to work through those things, but... Well, I agree with you. I think being a Christian doesn't mean that I have all my questions answered. I still have lots of questions about things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the Bible doesn't tell me everything I want to know. Yeah, It just tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, I was having, yeah, I was having a conversation with my brother this week about, you know, he was talking about some of the questions he has about faith. And I'm thinking, or I said too, like, I mean, I'm, I've been a minister for almost eight years and went to Bible college and all that stuff. And I still have doubts and Wonders and is it everything like that's? It's okay to think those things. It's not unnormal. It's 
faith is believing in what we do not see, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that there are a lot of things I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I love to talk about it, speculate about it, taught a couple of classes on it. But what, we'll put, what pull again for those classes, by the way. But what heaven will have for us is physical bodies. Uh, that, that's what some people say. <laughs> that's what Aaron says, for sure. Did you catch that, Kara? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't know everything about heaven. Sir. We don't. We don't. Yeah. I wish I did, but I don't. I, I don't know why God allows things to happen that are painful to Christian people. I don't know why God allows people that appear to me to be evil to prosper. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And so that's okay. That's where when those questions arise, it's okay to be like, I don't know, but let's let's keep talking. Let's keep the conversation going. You want to keep the conversation going. I just know that a relationship with Jesus Christ has changed my life. It has given me purpose and meaning. It has given me a future and a hope. And, and I, if it has for me, it absolutely can for you. For sure. Now, this is another point that I'll make, and this is going to... I think this is one of the most important parts, and this is, this is very much a... I'm a minister, I'm a preacher, I'm a youth minister, but if you're not praying about who you're sharing Jesus with, or you're not praying for yourself to have those conversations... You need to, because I think, and that's a question I'll ask you once I'm done saying this, is I think sometimes we forget how much of a benefit, or we forget about the Holy Spirit and the power the Holy Spirit has to influence us and influence other people. So the Holy Spirit is definitely a thing on our side to help us evangelize. But so here's my question, Bill. So this now this is your perspective and opinion. I don't think it really matters, but I think it's fun to ask. Okay. Um, how much of people giving their lives to Jesus, how much do you feel like it's the person, the human being's influence to the Holy Spirit's influence? Like, is it me who leads someone to Christ, or is it the Holy Spirit no, that leads someone to Christ? I think that, that one's pretty clear. I think that, that I can't personally lead anyone to Christ. I can reflect Jesus Christ to them and show them Jesus Christ, point them in the direction. I believe that the, the Holy Spirit has a role in that. Um, I'm not a Calvinist, which means I don't think the Holy Spirit has to do a work in the person to make mm-hmm. them res- be able to respond. But I think that the Holy Spirit has a part in, in, sh- in revealing some things, showing some things that perhaps I can set the table for, but the Holy Spirit delivers the meal, and then the person has to choose to eat. I agree with you, because I'll share a story. So when I was in high school, I lived a uh, typical uh, high school life of partying and drinking and all that stuff. Raised in the church, knew knew who Jesus was, knew what it meant to live for the life of Christ. I knew by Christian standards I was doing that, but I was okay. I didn't care. And then at a at a week long um, church camp, see a CIY event. I'm sitting during the last song after the sermon. I don't remember anything the guy said, but I remember feeling all this this guilt and shame and feeling like I needed to change, getting all emotional about my lifestyle. And I went up to, I was like, okay, they said, go up front and pray. So I went up front to pray and my youth minister stopped me, asked me, could he pray? And I just sobbed and I sobbed and I cried like this big baby, wussy little girl. And the only way I can't, yep, that's what I said. And the only way I can describe how that happened was the power of the Holy Spirit. Like you said, my family, my youth minister, my friends set the table uh, what's the, what'd you say set the table? Holy Spirit serves the meal. Serves the meal, you know. Like yeah, you got to choose to eat it. Though. I was, though, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit in that moment, and so for me, I agree that we can say all the right things and do all the right things, but eventually, but 
Well, that begs the next question. This is hard. It's like, well, how come it's not everybody? I don't think everybody chooses to eat. There's still a, a free will factor in that? Yeah, I think you can refuse. As wonderful as the meal is, you can just say, forget it, not going to go. You could have turned away that time, too, at that CIY conference, had you chosen to. Yeah. But some people don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that. Why? It's just because it makes you, and here's the thing, we're having these discussions right now about, you know, faith and questions. It's like, um, just tough because you think of people who've had loved ones they care about, you know, they're so, they so articulately explained it well, loved them through it, prayed about it, but something happens where they never took that final step where you see, where you personally see that they chose. But it's a personal relationship that I can't choose for anybody else. Everyone has to choose it. Jesus died for everyone, but he died for everyone personally. And he loves you personally, and you have to choose to love him back. Yeah, I do. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's one of the things, I mean, I appreciate about God in the sense he gave us all free will. Some people struggle with that. Like, why does he just intervene? Why does he let people avoid these situations? But it goes back to... Well, let me ask you a question. I, mean, you, I, I think we can answer that question. When you have children, yeah. I mean, if you're, and you're a good dad, and you love your kids, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And you like that your kids love you. I do. It but is. what if they didn't have a choice? What if they just were born and they had to love you? There's no choice. They, 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 they just showed love to you because that's they had no... That's, that's what they were programmed to do. Would it mean as much? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't mean as much, obviously. I mean, if I didn't know that... If I didn't know that that's the way they were made, it, it wouldn't have bothered me. But if I knew that I forced my kids to choose to love me, they didn't have a choice, it wouldn't mean as much. You know, so that's why it's like... Probably wouldn't mean anything. No, it's... I mean, I don't... I don't think I love my kids for them to love me. Like that's a, that is a motivating factor. I want my kids to love me, but I love them because I want what's best for them. And part of what's wanting what's best for them leads them to right. love me back. Part of my relationship with God, mm-hmm. there are things I don't always understand, but I, I've never doubted that God loves me and that well, I can't say that for sure. I, I've always strongly believed that God has loved me and that nothing He's going to do is going to really put me in a place that that makes me I don't feel like I'm not making any sense that's going to put me in a place not to believe that you know like even when stuff happens when bad things happen when things go a way I don't like I still know God loves me because I know there's evil on this earth and he's not going to put you in a situation where you're ever going to question that love yeah and the fact that that your kids choose to love you that really matters to you oh for sure I think it really matters to God There's nothing more wonderful I can imagine than for him than when somebody chooses to love him back. Oh, yeah, for sure. And probably nothing more heartbreaking when someone rejects that love. Yeah. Agreed. I keep yelling. My apologies, podcast. I guess we're boring, Aaron, as well. No. But hopefully not you. Like at night when I read, and it's not because I'm even tired. Every time I read a book with my kids, I always yawn a bunch of times. I think, and it's funny thing is I thought about, like when I preach, I don't ever yawn. <laughs> and no one in the audience yawns either. <laughs> nope, they're always so riveted. You can see them. <laughs> so.
So, well, we hope this helps. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but just understand it's a process. There's no like people have wrote books on evangelism and some I've never really read any because to me it thinks I mean, it's just a process. Everybody's different. There are probably some key principles for sure. Some good principles. We have some good things. They want to yeah. pray for people, pray for the people in your circle. You want to know what you believe, why you believe it. You want to know your story, yeah. be able to share your story. Uh, you want to be able to um, live the life, walk the talk, and you want to be able to uh, admit you don't know everything, but here's the important thing. I have a hard time admitting I don't know everything when I know everything. It's tough. You can, I, prove, you can just disprove that right now by asking me some questions that I don't know. Well, so, I, I don't think that would be a good idea. Just try to ask me any questions. I'll I would like for us to continue with the idea that Aaron Peer is a legend in his own time. I'll prove you I know everything. Ask me a question. Okay, I'll ask you a question. Um, what state is now considering the possibility of making daylight savings time their full time uh, plan? The state that's considering that is that state. That state, yeah, he's he's hundred percent. <laughs> but if you're actually following at home, that state would be Florida. I always. I do that to kids. I'm like, I think that. But I know everything about you. And they're like, ask me any question. They're always like, what month was I born? I'm like, the month you were born. And they're like, oh. So. Yeah, that's a good one. It's hilarious. It, it makes me laugh every time you say it, man. I just do. Yeah, Florida lawmakers want to end yearly daylight savings time change nationwide. Well, I'm glad you guys know that now. That's probably going to be the highlight of this podcast, knowing that Florida well, that's a little fact. is doing something about daylight savings time. <laughs> Don't forget to spring forward in a few this days. This Saturday, tomorrow. But you won't listen to this before then. So hopefully you spring so forward by the time you hear it. <laughs> if you haven't yet, turn your clocks forward because you are really early. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a great day.